You've got the home of the truth. Back to the bald face truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. I'm really excited to bring on our next guest because I love good stories. I do. Dick Allen going to be joining us. Uh, longtime uh, president of the Oregon Club of Portland. And for people who don't know the Oregon Club of Portland, these this is like, you know, these are the diehards. These are the OGs. Dick Allen joining us now. Dick, give us kind of the origin of the Oregon Club there. Uh, how did that start, the Oregon Club of Portland? Yeah, hi, John. Nice to talk to you. Um, well, I joined the Oregon Club in the 60s, but it existed uh, at least 10 years before that. Uh, so it would have ha- I was a student at the UVO from 1954 to 1958, 58 being the Rose Bowl year, of course. Uh, so anyway, when I uh, uh, got back out of school and uh, graduate school and into back to Portland, uh, I went to the Oregon Club meetings, which at the time were very low-key. There were maybe 25, 30 people. We met uh, on the River Queen. There was that boat in the Portland uh, Willamette River for a while, and then we went to the Holiday Inn, across from the uh, Coliseum, uh, and we really needed to drum up a membership, so we uh, started inviting uh, the coaches to come up and speak to us. And uh, that increased membership, and as membership grew, we eventually then migrated to the MAC Club. Um, I was president of the Oregon Club in 1980. Rich Brooks came on in, I think, 76 or 77, something like that. But 1980 was Rich's first winning season as a coach. He was 6-3-2. and two. We had two ties <laughs> that year. And uh, so anyway, it was a, a good year. And um, uh, the, the Husky uh, rivalry, of course, is, is an old one, almost as old as the Oregon State one, but not quite. And actually, I think interstate versus state across state line rivalries are not that uncommon. Uh, for a, a while, I lived in the... Uh, Colorado, and in Colorado, the big rivalry was between CU and Nebraska, and I'm sure if you went to Michigan State and asked them who their rival was, they'd say Michigan, but Michigan would say Ohio State. So uh, for for Oregon fans to not like Washington, I don't think is unusual, and in fact, there's been Portland-Seattle rivalries and various things still existing today, the Timbers still have a rivalry with Seattle, et cetera, Winterhawks, et cetera. So uh, the Husky, the, the thing that I remember the most about not liking the Huskies was, and Rich Brooks mentioned this when you had him on that podcast, that uh, in 1948, Oregon and Cal tied for the, the Pac-8 championship. And so the, the schools then voted to break that tie to decide who to go to the Rose Bowl. And the four California schools stuck together, but the Huskies deserted the rest of the Northwest and voted with California to send Cal to the Rose Bowl, not Oregon, which did not sit well. Oregon's quarterback at the time was Norm Van Brocklin. 
that Oregon team went to the Cotton Bowl, played Doak Walker and SMU in a classic game as it was. But anyway, Duck fans certainly didn't appreciate the, the Huskies doing that. And over the years, as Rich uh, mentioned in his uh, talk with you, uh, there was just this dislike of the Huskies who always were rubbing it into us. They were the big brother. We were the little brother. Um, and then there was the issue, uh, again, I think it was 57, 58, when uh, the Huskies, along with USC and UCLA, got sanctioned by the NCAA. They used to joke that you know Hugh McElhaney, the Washington running back, took a cut in pay when he turned pro. <laughs> and uh, so... So anyway, the, the, those three schools were, were not allowed to go to the Rose Bowl. And even though the Huskies beat Oregon that year, the Huskies were ineligible. And so, the, so Oregon got to go to the Rose Bowl, which was a big deal because I think 1920 was the last time. And, and I remember Rich Brooks telling me that uh, Oregon would be lucky if once a decade they could go to the Rose Bowl. But, but even that was kind of pie in the sky it, it we just were never going to be as as good as as the big schools so um again that that fomented the uh, oregon washington rivalry even more as rich pointed out they always seem to find a way to beat us and that's why the kenny wheaton pick was such a big deal uh, i think john wilner was wondering whether or not that's where the Oregon-Washington rivalry started. But, of course, it started decades before that. The Kenny Wheaton pick was just a wonderful vengeance for all the time that the Huskies had rubbed our nose in. And if you may recall, uh, and I think as Rich pointed out, they were driving for the winning touchdown with not much left in the game. And I think Brock Hewitt was the quarterback for yeah. Washington. Uh, and so anyway, uh, and I'm sure he regrets to this day, for some reason, instead of handing the ball off to a running back who probably would have scored, he threw the, the pick. The, uh, Kenny picked it off, and, and, of course, the Jerry Allen going crazy is, is, was forever Oregon history, which, which, again, before Duck Games, they would always show up on the Jumbotron. They would always end their uh, whatever they were showing with the Kenny Wheaton pick. So that, of course, reinforced all that. Let me ask you a and question. So the, so the Huskies Dick, were just kind of sore Dick, winners. Me, Dick, let me ask you a question here. You're, you, yeah. As president of the Oregon Club of Portland, you guys got together, I think. Did you get together once a week during the season? Is that is that how it worked? Like, yes, yes. Yeah. I mean, okay. we, up until Chip Kelly, we would have the coach come up and visit with us. What happened to Chip? Like He did it his first couple years, didn't he? Yeah, yes, and, and and then we set up a Zoom sort of thing. Chip was all mm. business, and the two-hour <laughs> drive to Portland and then a two-hour drive back, that was four hours, not to mention the hour at the Duck Club. You know, that, that was a lost day to Chip. And, yeah. and he, which I can, I can understand his yeah. point, and and he did agree to have. I don't think they called them Zoom calls at that time, but it, it was a video setup that we got that we could then talk to him, and they could have players come on and talk, and we would have Coach Aliotti and people like that also talk. So, uh, so it, that was okay, and. Uh, 
Did the uh, did the, did Washington Week was you know because you would get I'm sure people some people came to all of the luncheons, but I bet some yeah. people only came to some of them. Was Washington Week bigger with a turnout than other weeks, or was it was it always the Civil War Week that was bigger? What would be a big turnout? Well, I would say at our in our heyday at the Mac Club, we were bringing in 400, 450 people. We would fill the, the ballroom at the Mac, and uh, and yes, uh, Husky Week was always big, as was the Oregon State game, uh, and so uh, yeah, we we always had uh, big crowds, and uh, attendance was great. In, in the early days of the Oregon Club, back in the 70s. Uh, that, you know, the board of directors were people who, uh, guys, are, are just Oregon legends. I mean, Art and Ed Mashofsky, uh, Dick Wintermute, Harold Taylor, Mort Bishop, uh, Greg Marshall, John Herman. These, these were, guys were legends. And even people like Hobby Hobson would come to the meetings. And uh, I remember uh, when we, in order to get people enthused, I thought they should sing the fight song. But it turned out nobody knew the words except me. So, <laughs> could you I sing the fight work. song right now, like on on call? Would could I you could, remember it? Yeah. Let's do it. Sure. Let me hear Oregon, it. Oregon, our alma mater, we will guard thee on and on. Fellows gather round and cheer her, chant her glory, Oregon. Roar the praises of her warriors, sing the story, Oregon. Under victory urge the heroes of our mighty Oregon. And then we'll march, march on down the field, fighting for Oregon. Plow through the foeman's line, their strength will defy. We'll give a loud cheer for our men. They're out to win again. OAC will fight till the end, but we will win. How's that? I love that. <laughs> All right, I'm going to play something for you, and I want you to tell me the history of this. Okay, fans, here's the weather report for today's game. It's 70 degrees, slight wind from the north, and some clouds. But you know the real weather report. It never rains at Oxen Stadium. What? You were there. You were there in that heyday. Give me an idea. Yeah. Well, th that's from a, a different scenario. At that time, I was on the board of directors for the Alumni Association. And Don Essig uh, was a facilitator. Uh, he, you know, he was a teacher and educator, been a principal. And, and so uh, Dan Rodriguez, the executive director of the Alumni Association, hired Don to be our facilitator for the meeting we were having. This was in the early 90s. And um, uh, at one of the breaks at the meeting, uh, Don, uh, we were talking about going to the game. He said, are you going to the game? I said, oh, of course I am. And so well, I hope you brought your rain gear because it's going to really be wet today. And I said, you know, Don, I, I'm an original Autzen Stadium season ticket holder. So I've, since 1966, I've been coming at four seats on the Section 11 and the 50-yard line. And the reason I chose Section 11, because it was on the sunny side of the field. And almost 
every time we would be sitting there in the sun and you look across the field at the people on the south side who were shivering in their coats in the shade. And I said, I can, I can almost count on one hand the number of times that it has rained during the game. And I said, I have a theory about this. He says, what's your theory? I said, my theory is, is that as people enter the stadium, the crowd builds up, and then there's a big roar when the motorcycle comes out and people are all revved up. This big wave of hot air comes up out of the stadium. It parts the clouds, and it doesn't rain during the game. Now, after the game, the rain may return, but during the game, you know, it's not bad. Now, obviously, there's some exceptions to that, and including the 1983 ice bowl game, which happens to be the worst football game in history, I would say, both in terms of content and weather. But in any case, I told Don this, he laughed, and, and that was the end of it, I thought, until he announced this over the PA. And to my surprise, everybody in the stands joined in and saying, it never rains in Hudson Stadium. So, so when I saw Don later, when he wrote his book about this, I had him sign the book for me saying, thanks for giving me the tagline, It Never Rains in Autzen Stadium. I love that story. Uh, again, we're talking to uh, Dick Allen, who is the uh, former president of the Oregon Club of Portland. Uh, you guys used to meet, uh, you know, we've talked about this Oregon-Washington rivalry. Rick Neuheisel joined the rivalry. What role did he play? How hated did he become, or did he add some flavor to this rivalry? Yeah, he certainly added flavor to it. Uh, And again, I think this started with the Cotton Bowl game uh, where Oregon was playing Colorado and Neuheisel was the coach at, at CU. And they were beating us pretty soundly. And in the fourth quarter with, I don't know, two minutes left in the game, and they were ahead, I don't know, 35 to 14 or something like that. It was fourth down, and they went into punt formation, and it, and they ran a fake punt and scored an additional touchdown to run up the score. And I know that really frosted Mike Bellotti. And I remember them asking Neuheisel after the game why they, he ran up the score, and he pointed at the scoreboard and said, scoreboard, baby, and he laughed about this and then shortly after that there's a coaching vacancy at Washington and who do they hire the hated Rick Neuheisel so so here we now had Neuheisel as coach of the Huskies who when they came into Hudson and won they danced on the O and you know did you know like snow angels in the middle of the field etc anyway he was thoroughly obnoxious, which, of course, is added to the rivalry of the obnoxious Huskies. So, yes, Neuheisel certainly contributed to that. Give me an idea. In the heyday during your time, rather, if you could only win one, you know what I'm going to ask you. Do you win the rivalry game with Oregon State, or do you have more comfort beating Washington? Oh, definitely Washington is is the hated rival. Uh, as I said, this when I was in Colorado, it was the it was the Colorado Nebraska rivalry. Uh, I, I think that that rivalry is much greater. Um, in fact, I can remember going to the Fiesta Bowl 
when Oregon played CU, and CU was still basking in their win over Nebraska, and we're talking about how they should be number one, because I think at the time Nebraska was rated number two, and Oregon, with Joey Harrington at quarterback, just beat the crap out of them. And uh, as we were leaving Sun Devil Stadium, there were some CU kids who had probably had a little bit too much to drink, and they said, well, at least we don't have to live in Eugene. And I said, well, what's wrong with living in Eugene? And they said, well, there are a bunch of granola-chewing um, hippies in Birkenstocks. And I said, you just described Boulder. You know, I, I don't know why they would throw a dig at Eugene. But anyway, uh, all of those rivalries are fun. Uh, the Beaver rivalry is certainly there. Uh, but, it, you know, I, I have no problem at all rooting for Oregon State, you know, unless we're playing them that time. Uh, I, 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 I like the Beavers. Uh, I think they're doing great, and I think the fact that they're doing well this year is good for us in the league. Um, but, of course, I'm still a duck, and uh, I will always be a duck. Dick, uh, you know, I appreciate you joining us. Uh, my last question is, you know, the Oregon Club of Portland was founded as a nonprofit in 1946, and it uh, continued to exist all the way through just about 2018 when, when uh, it was announced that uh, – it was ceasing operations 72 years later. Um, now the Duff, Duck Athletic Fund sort of takes over sort of the, uh, the, the club's roles. What happened there? What's, what's the backstory on the end of the Oregon Club of Portland? I think it was a money issue, and I think uh, the university, or at least the athletic department, wanted to control uh, all of their fundraising. So... Uh, the Big Green Benefit, which was a big auction that we had started and, and I thought was quite successful, uh, they wanted to take that over, and they still run an auction now out of Eugene. But everything is focused in Eugene now, and, and uh, like I say, when Chips uh, uh, didn't want to come up to Portland and uh, Everything, I don't know, the, the Mac Club charged more money and it, all of those things, I think it all just came to a point where the board of directors said, uh, you know, it's it's time we move on. Uh, I miss that. I, I enjoyed you know, going to those luncheons and singing the fight song and, uh, and hearing Anthony Newman uh, dissect the plays from the film and everything and... Uh, and, of course, now they have that Talking Ducks show with uh, Anthony and Joey and, and Jordan Kent. So so there's still things for us to watch and do, uh, but times have changed. Um, the whole issue, there, there was in the, your conversation with Rich Brooks, there was some mention about uh, how the stadiums were not uh, being filled up like they used to be. And, again, I put that all on TV. Yeah. Uh, I had four seats, uh, and we always took another couple down with us to the game, but I could no longer tell them w when the game would be, and did we have to find a place to stay overnight, and were they good with that, et cetera. And uh, I, I told Rob Mullins that, you know, 45 years I've been a season ticket holder, but I, I just couldn't pencil it out anymore. 
he Rob said, I, I understand perfectly, but, you know, that this is what we're in today. And so TV and money, as you know, uh, yep. all, all plays a role. Dick Allen, I appreciate you. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, thank you, John. Good stuff there. Telling stories, singing songs. Leave it here. Uh, before that, though, if you want to line up for What's Your Peeve, what's bothering you? What's on your mind? Get it off your chest. I don't want you going into the weekend all fired up. 503-417-7575. Grab a line.